0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Carvana. Do you dread spending Saturday haggling with a car salesperson? I know I do. It's just too much, man. Life's too short. With Carvana, you skip the dealership and buy your next car online. Choose as soon as next day delivery or pick up from the world's first coin operated car vending machine. Stop it. And enjoy the peace of mind of a seven day return policy, plus save some serious money compared to dealerships. Carvana is the new way to buy a car. Check out carvana.com, C A R V A N A dot com slash watch to learn more. Hmm.
1: I need sports staff have to clear the room. Stand
0: up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, listening to the Louvre on repeat, it's Andy Greenwald! I want
1: to welcome all of our listeners to the internet's premier 76ers podcast. It's yes. basketball, basketball, and more basketball here. No, but I wish it was. Chris, we're in great moods Trust today. Trust The Watch, us. Yes? We're just happy. I And I. first of all, I apologize, the rights to Ricky Sanchez by our Pod friends Spike Eskin and Michael Levin are it's clearly the premier spot for Sixers podcasting. Yeah,
0: we're we're just JV squad. We're JV them.
1: squad, but we're in great mood today for basketball and other reasons. We've got some interesting things to talk about.
0: Yeah, we've got. We're going to talk a little bit about this Lord record that we both like a lot. Um, and then the bulk of the show. I know that I promised a lot of TV talk mm-hmm. uh, last week. Typical. But life life finds a way, or gets in the way. Gets in the way. So we'll we're going to punt Fargo Preacher. Um, we're going to talk Claws on Thursday. Yeah. Um, that'll go to Twin Thursday. Peaks. Twin Peaks. And I think we'll also probably have Andrew Gretodaro join us on Thursday to talk about Good Bad Movies Week, which you check out on the ringer.com this week. Uh, it's very, very entertaining. We're um, going to talk
1: movies a little bit, too, today. Yeah,
0: we're kind of doing the flip side of that to start the week with. We had talked about this a week or two ago, but the Times had New York Times had their 25 best movies of the millennium. Manola Dargis and Tony Scott picked theirs. And uh, you know Andy and I like to think of ourselves as we're we're really happy for
1: Tony and Manola but we're really the we're really Tony and Manola 2.0
0: Yeah exactly who's who
1: Well I think it's clear <laughs> After we look at these lists it's clear
0: uh, before we get started with the you know the the meat of the podcast I want to just we'll, we'll quickly talk about all the, the...
1: meat of the podcast <laughs> You've
0: Sorry. already got your voice work going <laughs> We've got some really exciting Game of Thrones stuff coming for you guys so obviously we will not be doing after the thrones on HBO um,
1: What's weird is that Tony Scott and Manola Dargis are doing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it know. was really an outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> Except they're only talking about <laughs> in the mood for love. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we are going to be doing a, uh, a another Game of Thrones after show. It's going to be called Talk the Thrones. You'll be able to see it on Twitter almost as soon as the episodes of Game of Thrones we, end every gone Sunday night. We've yeah. full We're going
1: to be live on Twitter after the show. I actually
0: I'm disappointed because I had I had a deal on the table to take a solo Game of Thrones show to Peach. Wow. But uh the money fell through at the last second. <laughs> but we're not alone, Andy, because this most important thing about this is that we're gonna be joined by uh Jason Concepcion and Mallory Rubin from the Binge Mode podcast.
1: Our friends, the Maester, Mother
0: of Dragons. Yeah, we, we, you, you know they, they were our, our co-pilots on on After the Thrones last year. They'll be joining us on Talk of Thrones this year. We're so excited to be doing this. The Fearsome Foursome
1: is back. A couple other notes about the show. People yeah. have been asking us this. From what I understand, and I believe this has been confirmed to be true, while we want you to watch the show live with us after the East Coast feed on Twitter, there will be a way to watch the show On Twitter later on. It's going to be pretty easy.
0: I'm fairly certain that the the episodes will just be pinned at the top of the Ringer's Twitter page. Mm -hmm. They'll be pinned at the top of our Twitter pages. It's very easy to just click and watch. Uh, We hope to be able to provide podcast audio of the show, uh, but we haven't nailed that down yet. Regardless, we will be podcasting. We might cover. The watch will still be going on Mondays. So we're really excited about that. Then, and this is really exciting. We haven't done one of these in a really long time, but we are going to be doing a live show. Andy, myself, Jason, and Mallory talk the Thrones live uh, at the Largo in Los Angeles on yes. July 11th. Sort of previewing the season, yeah. And we'll have some special guests, some special games. Very excited about so the guests already. You can find information. We'll tweet out the information. There's a There's a SeatGeek link to go buy tickets. What SeatGeek? I've heard of them. Yeah. So we're really excited. Uh, we'll have more info on that as details come along, but. Talk the Thrones live on Twitter right after episodes of Game of Thrones. Talk the Thrones live live at Largo in Los Angeles on July 11th. Yeah, so we're really excited. It's Throne season. It surely is. We're back. Winter has has just dropped out of nowhere. Yeah, who knew?
1: Okay, um, you want to talk about Lord? You want to talk? What do you want to talk about? I had one thing that I wanted to run by you. Sure. So I was uh, out of the office on Thursday. So thank you to you and the Ringer crew for not only doing great podcasts, but shining some light and love on our good friend Beth Wilwerna's Night yes. Lotion account. shout out to Beth. I did not know that. I heard that. Beth texted me and was like, did you talk about my Instagram account? <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, so our
0: our buddy Beth runs this account called Night Lotion. Yes. Which, before you put me in prison for sending saying those two words together... It's just an Instagram account of women putting on moisturizing cream before they go to bed in movies, in television shows, which is and in TV shows, which is like a huge motif. And I, if I can quote Beth, because I hit her up and I was like, Beth, give me the inside scoop here. Who's the Mount Rushmore <laughs> yeah. of of night lotion? This is such really a thing. Miranda from Sex and the City, yeah. Raina from Nashville yeah. and Skylar White. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's funny if you if you probably could go into those writers' rooms. It's basically like the I just gotta move these boxes, but sure I'll talk to you of law and order. Yeah. Like you need business if you if, if, to make the scene work, but women love to moisturize at night. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I was off to an island off the coast of Maine yeah. for a wedding of a dear friend. Some people who who were tracking my movements closely via Instagram, thought maybe I was uh, hanging with the Pod Save America guys at John, Fav's, John Favreau's wedding. Oh, was that a suggestion? It was. Uh, I was not, though we love those guys and we wish them nothing but the best. And I did fly out with uh, some people who were attending that wedding. And it <laughs> determined that his wedding might be superior because his was closer. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it did not invite involve a lobster I was boat. was so far away, you guys. It was so far. But I'm back. That's not what I want to talk to you about. What I want to talk to you about, Chris, is I'm spitballing here. At our age, you know, 20, 28, 29, -hmm. uh, we don't get to go to as many weddings as we used to during, like, the sweet spot when a lot of people were getting married.
0: That's why I'm dropping you for a bunch of younger friends. (laughs) I think
1: that's highly overdue. Um, Weddings become more crucial for us because, especially as, you know, those of us, I'll use I statements, who may have uh, two children, like, we don't have that many opportunities to go dance. Mm -hmm. So the dancing at a wedding is crucial, right? And what I've learned is there is... A politics to it, especially in the age of the ox cord, like what gets played and what yeah. doesn't get played. Yeah, and so yeah. this wedding had a band, a very a nice, a tight band that played a lot of um, like '50s and '60s songs. So the older, and I mean older than me, members of the wedding were very happy. A lot of a uh, lot of twisting, a lot like of shouting, of love? a lot like of locomotioning, yeah. okay, a lot of uh, yakety yak, okay, you know? um, some Stand By Me soundtrack. And then while that was happening, everyone was having a good time. But the I would say the the forty and below crowd was was agitating. They wanted they wanted something a little more from the band, or they wanted to just plug the iPod in. I was listen. I was promised that we would be getting some playlists after that, so we we were fine with the band. And then the playlists arrived, and we all had a good time. There was a little friction. There was there was. I'm not going to name names, but at one point someone did grab the aux cord and try to put on uh, DJ Khaled's on the One." <clears throat> and then did you do uh, that? And then my phone died at someone but else's wedding. <laughs> it was it was two thirty in the morning. But look. Here's what I wanted to ask you. Yeah, is it time for a new wedding song pantheon? What I mean is, traditionally there are certain songs that get played at every wedding, whether they are the, you know, the slow dance numbers, or right. sometimes people like to electric slide or what have you. Uh, for a while, people were playing um, "Surrender" by Cheap Trick, you know, or "Don't Stop Believing." There were certain crowd right. pleasers.
0: But is is it time for Cameron's? I really
1: mean it to well, make its way into the- no, because we <laughs> our friend Zach and Amanda's wedding last year is a Hall of Famer in the wedding Valhalla because basically they played let they let the the olds have two songs. Skinny
0: Freeman played,
1: and then they played. They know by by Shorty Low. Like within ten minutes of the dancing starting, and it only went uphill or from there. Yeah, that's extreme. What I'm saying is, I remember when we were at like Chuck's wedding, like six seven years ago, and the DJ played uh, Phoenix's Listomania, and I was like, "This is one of the twenty greatest songs ever written." The point being, what are the songs? that could be the new wedding pantheon that kind of everyone will be excited about. Because it's, for example, at this wedding, uh, we found love. That's good. Enormous excitement from everyone. Decepticon by Latigra, Enormous excitement from everyone. Okay. There are certain songs that make people universally happy. And then there are songs like MGMT's Electric Feel, that when someone put that on, it was as if someone had, had uh, um, regurgitated the... The contents of the Oyster Bar that had started the night. Uh, House of Jealous Lovers is a good one. Well, now we're just talking Lizzie Goodman rock. No, but
0: like you're talking about songs that are recent enough so that you still are like... I I feel like that that's situated in right the sweet spot where you're like, I remember being younger, but I'm not so old that this doesn't sound good still. Yes. And it also has... uh, There is a quality that songs like Decepticon and House of Jealous Lovers have to fill the floor. Like, they are... Real like sirens to 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 get to the dance
1: floor. One that surprised me, that really brought people back, surging back. uh, Alejandro by Lady Gaga. What about What We Do by Freeway? Well, see, I would have surged (laughs) out of my chest like the alien in John Hurt in the first film. Um, But I'm talking about. I'm trying to please the crowd. Freeze beard sticking out. Listen, listen, you're not helping. You're not. (laughs) Should we try to do this? Is what I'm saying. Maybe we could take some suggestions on Twitter. Should we make a Spotify playlist? That is just certified. It could be anyone's wedding, but here are the forty songs. Right, Bizarre love triangle maybe? Oh, you know, like so, reaching back a little bit, but also looking forward, because there are songs, many of them by Freeway and Cameron, <laughs> that I wanted so desperately I could taste them. Yeah, like the halibut crudo I had enjoyed as a past app.
0: Was the halibut crudo something that you just sort of like dipped your hand into the to the wintry North Atlantic? Let me, <laughs>
1: Let me tell you who I was at this wedding. Not only was I the one who at some point during the dance floor turned to a college roommate's wife and said, you need to get up. I need this. (laughs) About the dancing. But I was also the person who definitely just possibly freaked out, like trigger warning one of the cater waiters when I saw that she had the bacon wrapped scallops coming around again. (laughs) I went for it is what I'm saying. But the thing
0: is, is that like, did you have any... Like, did you feel like the place that you were, was the place where the wedding was, was it, yeah. was it like, kind of like Diane Lane, Perfect Storm type folks, like being like, Bobby, you and me, a was, fresh th- th- There was a
1: con in the cob. There was definitely someone talking about the con in the cob. I will say this, the father of the bride, who was a wonderful host, was a beautiful you event. You and me, Bobby. In his speech, held up the wooden Puritan's cradle that his daughter had spent her first night on the island in. And I was like, that is both creepy, yeah. kind of sweet. But also dangerous to a baby, because this was filled with, like, weevils from the Mayflower. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, that's the kind of, like, old New England where this was. It's a different world out there, man. Two hours off the coast? It was, uh... Isn't that Portugal? It it was. So, to get there, I flew to Boston, drove Uh four hours to Rockland, Maine, and then jumped on a ferry that was, no, it was not two hours. Apparently, it was... In, in inclement weather, which God knows what that would have looked like compared to Stephen King's The Mist that was happening <laughs> when I was there, uh, it took about an hour. Let me ask you a question. Please. Did they play Greenlight? No.
0: That's going to be a wedding jam. Yeah, that's a great segue for the next 15 years. Let's um, talk about Lord. I, I, a lot of talk on the Ringer Slack this weekend. Yeah. Uh, as, as Lord, as melodrama kind of permeated everybody's play, like uh, the listening this weekend about what the album of the year was Mm -hmm. i always have um a little bit of an allergy to talking about like even when i was writing about music a lot i always just had a really hard it was a mental hurdle for me to get over the idea of like are we talking about the album of the year Mm -hmm. in some Mm -hmm. imaginary like what it what boxes it checks Mm -hmm. in a critical kind of canon Mm -hmm. or are we talking about the thing i love the most um and that was actually always like a little bit of a like I, like not that was not good for me. Like I did, I should have should have been that. better at writing about Beck is what I mean. Um, but I wasn't, and so people were talking about damn. People were talking about melodrama as these they albums. Better of the been year. talking
1: about Waxahachie out of the storm.
0: Well, that still is not coming out for a
1: long time. I'm just going to keep you, talking about it. Keep
0: telling you that, it, that that's rude. People need to be able to hear this album I'd first. Like to get the people excited. You did. You got him You got him Fine. Go on. <laughs> so who's so what? What for you is the album of the year right now?
1: Um, the Waxhachie album is up there. Um, Kendrick is up there. Uh, I like, all, and then I like a lot of little tiny things that aren't gonna, like, I like Hoops, you know? Pe- people aren't gonna say Hoops is the best album of the year. Hoops. Yeah, is an little indie band named Hoops. They're great. It's, Hazel English, really yeah. good. Um, but no, to your point, the one that feels like maybe this should be it and could be it is the Lord record, because... I have not had- High approval rating. Well, it's first of all, it's true. Across demographics. But, which is which is crucial to this conversation. But two, I have not spent enough time with it because, as I mentioned, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was living the not You're at all- Making s- a
0: fresh start.
1: Dude. Do you understand that we were in a house where, like, this clabbered house where we had been provided, like, homemade muffins and granola bars and- you know we were, did we you know it was not to be found in the house this house had two kitchens because who knew how you know, who knows how buildings were built there was no sugar and there was no salt because that's how the puritans liked it <laughs> you don't flavor your food you eat it anyway i did not have service either for my clapboard? cell phone clapboard yeah you say it that's how i like. thought it
0: was clapboard yeah. i always was like that's a clapboard
1: house yeah you haven't spent enough time out on the high seas <laughs> no i just not dude i saw a lobster boat captain climb an algae slick ladder carrying a baby in one arm on father's day like people Yo. <laughs> the boat I was on took what us to a What was the po- backstory of that? There was a four-month-old on the boat we took home, back to the mainland, and the captain, handsome, handsome man, weather-beaten, Captain John, uh, couldn't park the boat anywhere except this, like, floating dinghy where there was an algae-slicked wooden ladder to climb to civilization. <laughs> so we, what did he do with the... La- the? Ba- so he gets up there, he's so, holding the baby, and then the mom gets up the after? The dad her. went up first. The captain held the baby with one arm, just fucking he-manned it, and climbed up the ladder. And then we all had then someone had to stay down and like navel tie a rope to our luggage and hoist it up. And you know what I do in those moments. <laughs> what did you do? Just like immediately give the baby bag is like, here's your kid tuck. <laughs> <I just, laughs> that's what he did. I did I just start checking Instagram. Like my least my least favorite scenarios in life are the ones where you have to pretend to be like macho in a way that's acceptable. Like yeah. these guys are like, Yeah, well you gotta tie the knot and lift the I'm like, you we all know I can't help you. Like When you're ready to have a clap on the back, and a, a on the back. And, a, and a clever remark about what we all went through, you ring me. I'm yeah. right here. Yeah. It's like when I go to the auto mechanic and he's like, what do you think wrong with it? I'm like, I will pay you money just <laughs> so you, you don't you ask did. me that question again. <laughs> I will pay you double not to make me feel bad. Fix the machine that I don't understand. <laughs> do you know? Oh I'm my being God. honest. Anyway. I didn't have time to listen to the Lord album that much. I was too busy um, paying for more psychoanalysis. <laughs> but one of the most exciting things about it is how rich it already sounds. Yeah. this could reward multiple listens and multiple contexts.
0: I was unaware that the primary influences on this record were like Don Henley and Tom Petty. Yes, th- th- that that and, and the Paul Simon's Graceland were yes. like things that she was listening to when she wrote this record. The Louvre is is my favorite song in a long time. Uh, I really, I really love this record. Um, right. I would say that my sort of albums of the year right now are still Father John Misty's "Pure Comedy" uh, and the here. self-titled future album. You love that. Did you say album? "Get Out of Here"? Get out of here. My my opinions are valid.
1: Not on this podcast. They're not. <laughs> um, we're let's just just to contextualize a little bit. The Lord phenomenon mm-hmm. coming from that first record, which was quite a few years ago already. Yeah, uh, was, a long time. Ago. Four years ago.
0: Because she's been reviewing onion rings on Instagram this whole, whole time.
1: That's what Do she... what you love. You never work a day in your life. That's what Captain John told me when he had a baby that wasn't his <laughs> under his arm. <laughs> that dude made America great again in one, <laughs> one boat ride. Yeah. Do you know what he said when we got on the boat? He was like, you won't want to sit there unless you want to get wet. It'll take about, but he didn't mean like training day. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't mean like angel dust. You like to get wet, Jake? It's <laughs> like, you sit on the right side of the boat. And then he said, it'll take about 45 minutes to get across. That's a super inappropriate what? thing to say to people when they get in your car. You I always to... thought it was
0: pretty funny, but it just turns out that does not do what, happen. Do you
1: like to get wet? Yeah. It's never appropriate, ever in any context. <laughs> he said, it'll take about 45 minutes to get back to Rockland. He said, and when we're there, I don't know, we'll see what we can do. That's the, what he said. Because the steez, seas were so stormy that you couldn't park. But he, it was crowded. Anyway. Oh the Lord phenomenon is really kind of incredible in, in retrospect while well, it was happening too I mean 16 year old young woman from far away farther away than I was. are this you saying weekend. that
0: because you don't know whether it's Australia or New Zealand no, it's New Zealand
1: I, I said it because I took me a second to remember <laughs> you, see,
0: you guys I do that all the time where I'm just like and this is a, a great thing that's happening in the future. <laughs> a just, little, like, I have no idea what I'm talking a little
1: bit like the president there yeah. So it's, it's just a terrific young woman. Um, and that album which she made just with some other people that she was collaborating with at the time who she definitely just ditched (laughs) but that album is timeless and incredible and and, and like you said cut across so many different uh, fan bases yeah and so the pressure on her is really unreal to come back with it because she doesn't it's not just that it was popular but she got she got both she had the mainstream popularity but also the intense young person fanaticism, you know, obsessing over everything she did, everything she wore. So the fact that she came back, and still is what, she's 20 now. So she's already at an age where it's difficult to, to, to deal with these kind of pressures. She made a stellar record. She made a stellar record almost entirely with Friend of the Pod, Jack Antonoff, mm-hmm. um, whose Bleacher's album came out a few weeks ago. This is a really- sp- moment for Jack. It's a really special Working collaboration. on the Killers
0: record, Killers song just came out.
1: I, but I think this is a very special collaboration because- the best ones bring out the best in both of them, and you could listen to this, and it is unmistakably a Lord album. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that when, like, when Jack worked with Taylor Swift, like an Out of the Woods, it sounded like Taylor Swift singing a, a fun song, yeah, a, or, or a bleacher song. A Jack Antonoff composition, a lot of things he likes to do. He's present on this record, and his taste and influences. But it's such a, such a, such a smooth thing. Yeah. So Louvre is your favorite song. Yeah. I think it's just worth noting also. Why she's kind of special in this moment. I feel like this is a weird thing to say about a 20 year old young woman, but I just think that as an artist, she's a very sexy artist. Here's what I mean. Okay, nothing to do with even her physical being. What I mean is all of her songs come from a place of like sensuality and physicality and point of view, and particularly in a moment when the new Katy Perry record comes out, and I am a I'm a Katy head from You're way a back. Katy cat. This record I think mostly sucks. This new Katy Perry record. Yeah. And it sucks because it's completely bloodless. Like she's going to do political pop and then we just have that sort of weak ass chain to the rhythm song. And then because that tank, then she has a song where she tells Migos they can eat her body like Kobe beef. Like that sounds like what Captain John should have said to us. <laughs> you guys like to eat beef? No, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it is, it it sets her apart from a lot of these other young pop stars that she is, you know, shockingly in competition with or at least in the conversation with
0: yeah um okay so lord's good uh this guy who drives a lobster boat off the coast of maine is
1: the greatest american shouts the captain of the equinox man
0: we're gonna take a quick break here from our sponsors thanks for sticking (laughs) with us through this do you know know what he said after he handed the baby back
1: (laughs) happy father's
0: day (laughs) here's a quick word from our sponsors and then we're gonna break down the best 25 movies (laughs) of the last 17 years (laughs) Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, I've got good news for you. There's this awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It sounds counterintuitive, but unlike flights, hotel rates usually get cheaper at the last minute. And Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. These aren't last resort places. They're actually cool top rated hotels that you want to stay in. And with so many awesome partner hotels in a ton of different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or finally going on that trip you've been wanting to take for a while. I know that, uh, you know, often when my wife and I want to do a little staycation or maybe a LA adjacent vacation. Sure. So it's not like stay because you're getting out of county lines. Maybe by the water. Yeah, or in the desert. Uh, We like to use Hotel Tonight to find great deals. Because even though the app's name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to a week in advance. So we do that, like, you know, be like, I'm like, hey, how about the next weekend? She's like, word, Hotel Tonight time. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So get in on these killer last minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by Simply Safe. Getting a good night's sleep is easier said than done, especially when you think you just heard a noise downstairs. Think about it. What do you do in that situation? You can turn on all the lights and keep watch, check your kids' beds every hour, sleep with one eye open, or you can rest easy knowing that your home and family are protected with SimpliSafe. Are you saying I don't need the cricket bat anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you want to take up cricket. When you install Simply Safe's home security system, you're arming your home with powerful sensors that actually tell you if a door opens or if a window breaks. There's a 105 decibel siren that alerts you at the first sign of trouble, and there's a dedicated team of security professionals watching over you 24-7, ready to send the police. With Simply Safe, there are no long-term contracts, and around the clock monitoring is only $14.99 a month. So don't spend another night second guessing your home's safety. Get Simply Safe and get some rest. Go to simplysafecom ringer. And get a special 10% discount when you order today. That's simplysafecom slash ringer for 10% off your order. Simplysafe.com slash ringer. Okay, Andy and I are back. Uh, and now we're going to talk about our 25 best movies of the millennium. This is inspired, obviously, by A.O. Scott and Manolo Dargis' list that was in the New York Times about two weeks ago. Uh, their their number one movie was There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, it was a controversial list. My mother called me. She was very upset about the lack of mainstream populist
1: entertainment. This was, interestingly enough, a... Complete collaboration. They did not list yes. their twenty-five yes. individual bests. No. This is what they agreed on, which I can't even imagine how hard that was. It
0: was and they then they kind of embraced the debate by going back and forth within each section, with each movie. Mm-hmm. They kind of talked about well, you know, what was great about it and why, why they put it where it was. So I think the easiest way to do this, Andy and I, can post our own separate lists to Twitter so that you guys can see we'll our rankings. We'll each ranking. post them,
1: and then the Ringer account will post them too. Um,
0: before we get into the movies that we both had on our list, before you even do that, I have a
1: question. Doing this exercise, as someone who um, goes to the movies, Uh which is why I'm differentiating you from me, though I used to go to the movies, Uh, did you feel any large takeaways about this century so far cinematically?
0: Um, No, only about my taste. Although I do think that there's a lot, like we could do a whole separate podcast about the visual language of these movies Mm -hmm. and the way movies look now and who inspired that. Um, The degree to which... Uh, the Terrence Malick style of framing and um, directing I, I not necessarily his like actual filmmaking, which is apparently very improv- imp- improvisatory—and mm-hmm. uh, you know, searching for the image and searching for the cut at, in the editing room. And yeah. just, but the I- way in which. You know, say there will be blood. No, maybe not. There will be blood, but the way, like, no country has influenced a the way a lot, like Sicario and a lot of these movies. There is like definitely a look to
1: these movies. Roger Deakins. Yeah. I, I, my, my takeaway was largely that the further, the more, the further away you get from eras of film, the the common thread is you can pull together a list of masterpieces. Yeah. You know, and I, and I was. As I was making this, I was thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe this is very different than making a list from the 70s. Because if in my version of the 70s, a decade I was not seeing movies, um, these master filmmakers were at their heights and they were having a conversation with each other. And it was almost a casual outpouring of greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I made this, I made uh, my own list and I realized, well, if you squint, it's kind of, you can see the same thing. A, a lot of the dross falls away. And if you're only seeing the greatest, first, first of all, there's been an amazing amount of movies. Amazing amount of movies, but also an amazing amount of amazing movies. But you can see those patterns here too if you choose to see them, right. especially as you get further away. It it, it it is a nice balm to the naysayers that cinema is dead.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Manoa and Tony's list is a diverse list that has animated films, that has, you know, great directors like Guillermo del Toro weighing in on things like Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. It has some surprises like the very, very high ranking of Million Dollar Baby, which is a movie I almost walked out of. Yeah, that was shocking. Too. And it has, admittedly, a lot more foreign films than I have on my list. And <clears throat> there's also just a lot of like very challenging, interesting movies like The Death of Mr. Lazarescu, which I saw and thought was brilliant. But I would say that ultimately, the the films that stick with me are. They tend to be genre or they tend to be variations on genre mm-hmm. movies, and they tend to be movies that kind of inevitably have a certain rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean they're not dark, that doesn't mean they're not challenging, but it, it does have. I think that the movies that you go back to are the ones that are inevitably gonna rise in your estimation because the one, you know, I thought Blue is the Warmest Color was extraordinary mm-hmm. when I saw it, and I still do, but I have never felt the need to go back to it.
1: Yep. Yeah, I think that makes a huge difference as well. And that's just one example, you know? I also think that they were very... Because they knew their list would be ripped apart. And I think, first of all, lists are almost always um, totally subjective and ridiculous. Yeah. But often they can be seen as trolly or, like, Mm fire-starting. I thought their list was incredibly responsible, if that's even a word that that matters, to ignite debate rather than consume it. Um, And Mm -hmm. one of the things they did in order to preserve that, I believe, was they were very careful to make sure that the great filmmakers, you know... Consensus, more or less, were represented, whether mm-hmm. that was Miyazaki with Spirited Away or which Coen Brothers movie they chose to put on, because clearly one was going to be on. Right. Um, so we should talk, before we get into our individual lists, we should do two things. We should talk about the overlaps. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a couple movies where we went in different directions uh, in terms of choice of movie, but agree on filmmakers. Sure. So overlaps.
0: Yeah. Well, why don't we just, we'll do the overlaps we had were, um, were pretty simple. Zodiac, which is my number one movie. Mm-hmm. There will be blood. Michael Clayton. The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Sicario and the collateral.
1: Sicario, the official film Sicario, of this podcast.
0: I, I, I get grant you that is, I think in most critics' list would not make that, but is such an important movie to us.
1: Yeah, I, I think it should make the list. Yeah, I, for any number of reasons, both in terms of its its theme, but also. One of the nice things about lists, especially when you choose an arbitrary period of time to cover, is that you want to, you want to tip forward a little bit. Yeah. You want to acknowledge the future, and Denis Villeneuve is a very important filmmaker, or if he isn't, he's certainly about to be. Um, and I think it's important for him to be on the list.
0: Yeah, I, so I, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about Michael Clayton? because I...
1: I, Yeah, I think I, I, this may change by the time we post it right after we record here. I think Michael Clayton might be my number one movie. Um, Ever. No. Oh, just uh, in the 25, this yeah. Um, it is a screenwriter's movie, first and foremost, because Tony Gilroy is a master screenwriter. It is a screenwriter's movie of someone who, who knows all the tricks, has been beaten down by the system, and has written a, a movie basically about someone who is in that same position and left it all on the table. You know, it is Clooney at his absolute best. It is a filmmaker somehow given enough carte blanche to tell the story he wanted to tell, to do it artfully and stylishly, but ultimately, it is just a kick-ass movie. It is an, it is a 70s-style movie about a guy in a bad situation. There's an explosion, and there's a great ending shot, a la The Graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have the flair, necessarily, or the explosiveness and power of some of the other films that we're going to talk about. God, it does not the dialogue. The dialogue. It just rips they, that movie.
0: You, you, you put... There are Tom Wilkinson monologues and Michael Clayton that yeah. I would put up against set pieces in any action movie.
1: It, it, and, and just to go back to your point, both of our lists have one thing in common, which is you have to love watching these movies yeah. and, and, love, and, and get excited at the thought of watching them again. Mm-hmm. That, that that does it for me. Do um, you want to make your case for Zodiac?
0: Yeah, I would just say Zodiac is one of the great American crime films ever made. Uh, it features several of m- some of my favorites. Before. It's, it's got the best Robert Downey
1: Jr. performance. Oh, neither of these made their list, right? No. Is that correct?
0: Um it's got the best Robert Downey Jr performance, which is no small thing. Uh, it has the quality that you know and especially now uh, when we talk so much about the blurred lines between film and television, um, whether or not you're watching Zodiac for the thirteenth time on AMC or you're seeing it in a rep theater or you saw it when it first came mm-hmm. out, it has this ability that I still think is sort of singular to the movies, which is to completely suck you into a world. Right? It has from the finest little set design details that it has, um, from like you know the the equipment that they use to make the covers of a newspaper or to make you know the to make newspapers mm-hmm. to the drinks that they have at the 1970s San Francisco bars. It completely sucks you in you think that you are living through this time in the bay area and that you're going through this journey with jake gyllenhaal and robert downey jr and mark ruffalo and anthony edwards and uh i think it's fincher's masterpiece i i find something new to be fascinated by in every every time i've watched it it's got such a deep bench of interesting character actors in it chloe 70s it. jimmy simpson is in it you know all these it's just it for me it's just been the movie that I've gone back to over and over and over again. It's an incredible movie about obsession by an obsessive yeah. filmmaker. And in some ways it that it it is the you know you could say that Fincher is a dark filmmaker and you, you know, people point to 7 or Fight Club and the nihilism maybe in those movies, but this seems to be the clearest dis- distillation of his interests and his fascination with human humanity.
1: I think we overstate the auteur theory at times in general. Mm -hmm. And certainly we mostly talk about TV and there are ways that it absolutely applies and then ways just by the nature of television that it just can't apply. In terms of movies, a filmmaker has to find a way into the movie that is deeply personal, whether it is overt, whether it's explained, or whether we'll never know. We can just feel it. Mm -hmm. I think that's essential. You You said it exactly, which is that all the stories about Fincher and what it's like to work with Fincher are that he is uh exacting let's put it that way and um there were stories about him directing jake gyllenhaal in this movie right Of like doing 30 plus takes yeah and it was
0: like robert downey jr used to start was was like leaving pee and in, in his it, like urinating in jars and leaving it around the set to prove a point about like the control that that
1: fincher wouldn't let him go to the bathroom basically it's this is a movie about obsession and, and you know and like i just said about michael clayton it's a movie about a guy who could be better and but has been beaten down and isn't better yeah at his heart and knows it um collateral is visually and that and I'm not just saying this because I live in Los Angeles now it's just um, it's 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 just devastating I mean it's just an incredible visual Marvel with these remarkable performances from some of our favorite actors mm-hmm. it is Savage Tom Cruise which is low-key what Tom Cruise might really be in real life. But again, you have Michael Mann as a filmmaker making a movie about a guy who is so dedicated to his craft that he will murder people for it. You know, there is something personal about all these films. It's interesting that the five that we're talking about, in assassination 2, We re- this is really like, this is this is the the the, the macho five. Yeah, like, these are these are. Some I, I hard have to. Board. I have a pretty macho list. I'm not proud of it. Captain John would love these films. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of them. Um, let's talk about some things that we differed on, but mm-hmm. we essentially you know, we, we put them, we put uh, other movies by these filmmakers right. on. One is, we both put a Coen Brothers movie on. Yeah. You put No Country for Old Men. Unimpeachable choice. Yes. Uh, I put Inside and Davis, which surprised me.
0: I'm surprised. there. I did not expect Inside and Davis is is starting, when I looked around to see who else mm-hmm. had made lists like this, what were some of the consensus movies, a lot of Inside and Davis on these lists. And I remember a lot of, like, a excitement for that movie, and then it was a real one of those Coen brothers that people are like, oh, yeah. And then it seems like now is de- is gaining a critical appreciation.
1: One of the most amazing things about the Coen brothers, and and I think underrated in this because there are so many things to say about them, is the, is the pure rewatchability and what you discover. Yeah. I saw Hail Caesar once. I thought it was cute but an essential movie. I saw it a second time, and I thought it was hilarious. I've now seen it three times. I flew on a lot of planes last year, you may remember. Um... I think it is brilliant. Like, I can't believe how brilliant it is in so many ways. And I, and for me, Inside Lewin Davis, it is so rich that the first time you see it, and A Serious Man is like this too, it's possible to just watch it on the surface and enjoy it. And then you realize how every choice is impeccable, mm-hmm. how every emotion that it picks at is a scab that maybe you have too. And then you combine it with the, the, the wintry city, the way they filmed it, Oscar Isaac's performance, which, you know... Should have made him a superstar, and in a slow motion way, kind of did. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it says about art that here is someone whose life was worthy and is interesting, and he wasn't really good enough. I mean, there's something <laughs> right. so right. so devastating about that that I, I I come back to it a lot.
0: Um, some of the other movies that we picked that we had different, you know, it's like it's, it's, we wanted to get a director, but so I have. Uh, several <laughs> Steven Soderbergh movies. Yes, admittedly, I was I was actually the biggest thing, the, the hardest thing, to leave off, and mm-hmm. I thought leaving it off. I, I, eventually, it was it was it was hard to get it in there. But I did not put Haywire on, which I think is actually like low key one yep. of the best movies of the last uh, of the millennium. But I have uh, Magic Mike and Ocean's Eleven.
1: I can't believe that I don't have Soderbergh on my list. But I think it's because I took the alternate. I took the opposite tack. I think Ocean's Eleven is terrific i loved it um i think oceans 11 is the movie i've seen the most since it came out yeah i love magic mike i loved it um i think haywire might have been my favorite of all of this too Mm -hmm. but then i was thinking about it my my favorite soderbergh films are still missed the cut not to say he's gotten worse in any way but none of these are out of sight you know yeah because of the date right so he's not on my list we both put an adam mckay will ferrell collaboration yes
0: I'm very excited to talk about this. This is an
1: interesting split. I put Anchorman on my list, like top 10 on my list. Yes. You have Step Brothers on your list.
0: Yes. I have Step Brothers number 12.
1: I want to say nothing is funnier than these movies, probably, full stop. Yeah. Anchorman, I probably have seen more than any other movie since it was released. That's why it's not on my list. Because it's-
0: Because I I can't- I. I, it'll come back around, but yeah. now Anchorman is
1: like I've seen Anchorman as much as Ghostbusters. I, I think that the thing is, and I think this is kind of the consensus. I think this is actually, I think you're probably in the in the right in terms of like um, film Twitter. If, be, be, seriously, though, like no, Step know. Brothers is probably an absurdist masterpiece. Let me tell you something that, that I don't know for a fact, but I believe. I bet Step Brothers is considered very, very, very ranked very, very highly in France. <laughs> like seri- seriously, it, it 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 is a masterpiece. Yeah. For what it is. And I think that it, 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 you may be right on some level because that also hangs together in a way. Whereas Anchorman, remember, they just said action and then they literally filmed a second movie that they carved out of the first movie. Yeah. Um But nothing makes me laugh Yeah. People should than check
0: Anchorman. out Bill's Pod with Will Ferrell to, for it, to, a lot on Anchorman. To talk about it. Yeah.
1: Um, but I was very happy that we both did that. What about our, speaking of France, what about our man, Olivier Assayas? Yeah. I have Carlos. Carlos is his, uh, how many? How many hours? Depends on which version you watch. Uh,
0: I think it's up. It's around four and a half hours. They broke it up into two. Explain it to the people. It's uh, Olivier Assayas's um, epic, epic look at Carlos the Jackal, mm-hmm. um, and the he was a, ter- a terrorist who sort of wreaked havoc on the world throughout uh, the late sixties and seventies, and it is. Such a cool movie. It is maybe the coolest. Movie. Edgar Ramirez is incredible as as the the lead character as Carlos the Jackal. But Asayus made this choice to make essentially like this almost cinema verite look at this time in the world in Germany, in the Middle East, and in South America, and he scores it with like early early to mid eighties Wire songs. So these like kind of industrial electronic songs, and there is some. Feelies like some late seventies post punk, Mm -hmm. but it is such a incredibly feeling movie, and then a lot like Zodiac, it brings you into a world that is not exactly the you know it's not a realistic representation of the world, but it uses realism as Mm -hmm. a tool. And I I just remember you know it kind of trails off in the second half of the movie. The first half is definitely better. But, oh my gosh, I, Carlos was just one of the most fun, like the most incredible experiences watching a movie.
1: I mean, if Olivier Saez makes a movie, you should see it. I mean, er- er- Irma Vep, um, Cloud of Seals Maria. I have not seen Personal Shopper yet. Her it's super dope. Yeah. Um, I put Summer Hours on there, which is maybe the more conventional Normcore pick. Okay. Um, because that is about a, f- adult fam- a family of adult siblings who have to like deal with their mother's stuff. Let me tell you something about me. This is not going to surprise anyone. I love foreign films about families having to get together and do stuff. I love them. <laughs> I am happiest in the movie theater. Let me rephrase that. Right now, I would be happy to be in a movie theater. But when I used to go to them, I would, especially in New York, I would actively seek out, like, Film Forum or, or Quad Cinema or whatever. I'm like, oh, a Taiwanese four-hour film? Give it to me. I love it. What I would just sit there. I was probably meeting you after the movie. <laughs> it was like maybe I had a free afternoon. <laughs> I was but standing like,
0: outside of Quad City <laughs> like, I really mean it. <laughs>
1: Like Like Edward Yang's Yee Yee, which was on the New York Times list. That's pretty high on your list, dog. It's a masterpiece. Okay. It is a deeply moving movie that you just kind of got to slide into and just be in. And Summer Hours is like that, too.
0: I want to talk a little bit about how not every movie I have here involves um, guns, men, and guns.
1: (laughs) Uh, And speaking of which, in your defense, you don't have a Bourne movie on your list. Quit the, I, quit the podcast. I know.
0: I was born or Sicario as far as, you know, the Watch uh, flagship movie. Which one would you put on? I did, I did put Sicario on.
1: No, no. Oh, which, which of the born Bourne movie? movie? Yeah.
0: Ultimatum, second. Ultimatum's third. Oh, oh sorry, sec- the
1: second one. Supremacy. Supremacy, yeah. I have identity on mine. Sorry, but okay. make your case why you're not um, a monster.
0: Uh, I do think that the Linklater before mm. trilogy Painful to leave them is, Well, no, I have Before Sunset as 10. I'm only talking about myself. Uh, okay, uh, is... <laughs> Is like a, is is his masterpiece? Yeah. Um. I guess before Sunrise came out before two thousand. When did it come out? The first one was before that. Yeah. Yeah. But before Sunset is my favorite film of the, of the group. I think. it's probably Um. The best. And it's it's still. I I just I just find that movie to be absolutely perfect, especially I, the ending. Maybe the best ending, of a movie, of all this of
1: all the films in this list. I think that's a strong case to be made. You have a lot of Tarantino on your list. I do. I have none.
0: Yeah, I've, we've gone over that. But All like... <laughs> my Tarantino's
1: are in the '90s. <laughs> yeah. this the stuff I just I just can't roll with. You yeah. don't
0: have any. I have Tarantino second with Inglorious Bastards, eleventh uh, with Kill Bill Part Two.
1: Yeah, I was surprised to see there are two filmmakers I thought might choose. And up I'm on pretty
0: pretty mad at myself for leaving Django off. And Do you have Zero Dark Thirty on your list? I don't. I have The Hurt Locker on Zero Dark Thirty. I would actually put in the group of films that, um, like the Blue is the Warmest Color mm-hmm. group of like incredible experience. I've seen Zero Dark Thirty multiple times. Zero Dark Thirty has obviously not necessarily aged well. Yeah. Uh and and time has sort of proved made that movie a little bit harder to take. It's cinematically and technically still a masterwork.
1: I think you're right. I think, you know, that's I'm glad you brought that up because I have never seen that again. The first time I saw it was a very very intense experience and I was and I, what I remember is the experience of seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it holds up. I don't know if I would want to watch it again. I might have to poke at that. One of the reasons The Master is not on my list, and it's not just because I only wanted to do one from each filmmaker. Right. And I put There Will Be Blood on. It's because similarly, in terms of like your experience of it, that's the movie that I saw. I saw like the, 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 the there was a premiere or press premiere at the Ziegfeld, no longer around theater in New York. And as the lights were dimming, I got a text from my wife saying she was pregnant. So Dang. the entire time I'm watching ropey Joaquin Phoenix bang into walls. Where, did she know where that. you were? I don't think she cared. No, no she, I, she thought I was a quad cinema. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she was banging on she the door. She was like, "I know
0: you're 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 I, you're running back, eee, but." Cu- you- <laughs>
1: couple couple of major filmmakers I thought might show up on your list. Mm-hmm. Mike Lee. I got Topsy Turvy way high on mine. God, yep. I love that movie. Yeah. Nothing for you. No no working class British. Uh, I love travails. Mike Lee,
0: but I was probably closer to putting Snatch on my list
1: than Topsy Turvy. Okay. Speaking of Brits, Michael Winterbottom had a very, very diverse century so far. 24-Hour Party People is on my list. Because if you want to talk about movies you can watch a million times and still have a blast, that's there.
0: I have to have some, there, there, there's a complicated math to it all. I would say that the, the first The Trip is very high up there. Oh, yeah, good point. Um, but it did not make my list. Uh, as far as uh, UK directors, mm-hmm. I do have 28 Days Later. Uh, from Danny Boyle, I would say that the first half of Sunshine mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is very high up there too. All the sunshine really falls apart in the second half. But twenty eight days later, especially for what it did in terms of like reimagining this dystopia and reimagining the post apocalyptic as something that could happen to a bike courier mm-hmm. rather than Will Smith was really uh, it, in a lot of ways. I think it, for better or for worse, brought on this like wave of zombie. And imagining the apocalypse entertainment, but mm-hmm. it's still probably the freshest, most original horror movie
1: that came out this, this millennium. One other potential absence from both of our lists. Although I did
0: have The Descent on my list, too. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, I think I do.
1: You do. Yeah, The Descent is also
0: my other favorite horror movie.
1: One of the things that, was that, that, that the times got dinged for a lot was the absence of Children of Men does not seem to be on your list either. Yeah, it's not, it's not it's not it's never been one of my favorites. One of my favorites for sure, but it's interesting that other than Children of Men, the three great Mexican directors who in many ways have dominated this century, um Guillermo del Toro, who you mentioned Inaritu previously, and Inyárritu and, yeah, and Cuarón, are not present here. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um
0: gosh, you know, I think that part of it is that for Cuarón movies, first of all, like he's made some bad ones.
1: Mhm. That's well, so those inyárritu.
0: Yeah, um, I, I always am very intrigued by you know, Revenant, Birdman, um, Gravity, Children of Men. They're they're I find them very intriguing, but I don't well, often you're mixing the two there,
1: right? Yeah, of yeah. just
0: of all all their movies. Hellboy,
1: yeah. Hellboy is probably one of Pis- the best. Of know, those.
0: Um I, I'm not actually a Del Toro fan, um, but I often just find them to be cool event movies that I don't ever want to watch again. Mm-hmm.
1: What about you? I I think they've all I think In twos has influenced filmmaking in an enormous way mm-hmm. but I don't think he's made any movies that deserve to be on this list frankly um, I think his movies are incredible to look at I think I think the, the cinematographer who works with both of them Chivo, mm-hmm. um, is you know like Roger Deakins I mean there's a, there's a thing to be made maybe you and Sean could do this because I'm not qualified of like the cinematographers that have actually defined the century um, but I don't think those movies necessarily stand up compared to a lot of these other ones one speaking of major filmmakers, we both have a Spielberg. Different ones. I had to ride from Munich. I mean,
0: I know. The, you're your OG and Munich was in the Scott I and Dargis No, yeah. I mean
1: I gotta have the I gotta have the the Jewish action movie. Come on. I
0: have Minority Report.
1: Great movie. Yeah. Why I, that one?
0: Because I think that that is from that AI period where Spielberg was really that was the last time I feel like Spielberg was really pushing that envelope and like making really, really interesting art as well as blockbuster entertainment.
1: Is there anything
0: else? Although, I mean, Lincoln's great. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying he completely abandoned me. He fell off. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any, for both of us, things that killed you to leave off? Anything in Uh, your minds?
0: I mean, tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. And there's stuff here that... Our personal things like not personal, but like Training Day has just been a movie that I've seen a lot. Like, it's like a movie that was very important to me when it came out.
1: Let so me let me, let me vouch for someone who knew Chris Ryan in the 2000s in New York City at bars. Training Day was very important, yeah. To him. The
0: Departed actually has is not aging well in terms of its actual like cohesion of a movie, yeah, but god, it's fun, but Jesus, it's so fun, yeah. Um, I would say that the two movies here on my list that are fast risers, Mm. and that as I get older, I have just grown to love more Mm. and more, are Social Network and In Bruges. Social Network, perfectly made movie. In Bruges, possibly the saddest, funniest movie I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, With three of my favorite performances. Performances, Ray Fiennes, Colin Farrell, and Brendan Gleeson. What about you? What about what movies that you were were hurt to leave off?
1: Uh, In Bruges, Training Day, um, Inside Man. Um, Magic Mike, like I mentioned, City of God. Yeah,
0: I've got Twenty Fifth Hour in mind, but the Inside Man and Twenty Fifth Hour, are the two Spike movies that I really, Twenty Fifth Hour is also just like a very living in New York at that time period mm-hmm. uh, was it, it was a it was the it was one of the first movies to come out after nine eleven that kind of grappled with nine yes. eleven as a as a thing that affected the characters
1: and felt like the era uh-huh. while you were living it. I, I feel like if I could do this again, I might put I Heart Huckabees on it. Interesting. I love that movie. It's so weird. Um, I realized just now that I forgot to put... The, the version of the list that I'm working off of is not the version you're going to see. I'm because, glad that you're... yeah Because I forgot to put Mulholland Drive on it. Oh, yeah. What is wrong with us? Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, just in terms of movies that burrow into your darkest psyche and will never, ever let go. Um, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's it's fun to make this list Um both for the big statement purpose of it, to think about movies that you want to put a lay down it's a marker. It's just great to and, go back
0: through the movies it, and fight with each other, or like fight with yourself about what gets on there,
1: though. Because there are movies on here, like I mentioned Topsy Turvy and Yee Yee, but movies that are so personal that I, it's hard to explain, not that they were made only for me, but it's hard to explain if you just aren't in immediately. There's a Taiwanese movie called What Time Is It There that I've been thinking about ever since I saw probably at Quad Cinema or whatever the place was actually called. Um, but Lovely and Amazing by Nicole Hollis Senior. Mm-hmm um is i think about that movie a lot in my when i was critic when i was a tv critic just in terms of what she was able to do with real human being people interacting with each other based on emotions and family connections and to do it all in such a short amount of time i think she is a master filmmaker in that way mm-hmm. in a way that we usually praise european filmmakers for and ignore american filmmakers for she is not trying to make um uh, Inglorious Bastards or uh, Zodiac. Mm-hmm. She's only ever making movies about groups of women and how they interact with each other. All of them are worth seeing. The, the, the last one she made, Enough Said, with Julie Louis Dreyfus and James Gandolfini, that's on TV a lot. That's your jam. People should watch that movie. That's yeah. really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had to put Lost in Translation on. I feel like that movie's gotten a lot of dirt kicked on it ever since it came out, but it was beautiful. It was a beautiful movie to see in the theater and the, the soundtrack and just the aesthetic. No superhero movies for us. That was my last thing I was going to say. I thought that we would somehow throw one on. And what um, the Times list did was, in, an, in a nod to blockbuster movies or popcorn movies, they put Mad Max Fury Road on their list, yeah. which deserves to be there. Absolutely.
0: That was, that was in the short list for me.
1: Me as well. Um, it's a little bit disappointing, I guess, to me, that... There wasn't another one, another superhero movie to put on. I mean, here. Dark I,
0: Knight is just something that I think. Uh, I find the last forty minutes of Dark Knight so stupid yes. that it's hard to to remember how good the bank robbery is and how good everything that happens up until then is.
1: Um, By the way, Loki Nolan, I, I, I'm still thinking about putting the Prestige on.
0: I was still thinking about putting Inception on.
1: But, yeah, the movies, because of the ends, because of the punching and the, the mechanics, they haven't figured out how to do that. I mean, someone would probably make a case that the best superhero movie would be Birdman or Scott Pilgrim or mm-hmm. something that was, you know, sort of superhero adjacent. Yeah. You, you can tell me, and I will agree with you, that X-Men 2 or Spider-Man 2 or even Guardians of the Galaxy or Winter Soldier are high, high-quality movies, bordering on excellent at times. And they are, whether because they capture the spirit of the character that people love or because they have clever things or visuals. But you can't put them on the same list as there will be blood. I mean, it's just it's not. There's good and then there's great. Yeah, and that's different. Um, but I think everyone can agree on that distinction from good to great. But what they probably can't um, agree on is uh, what 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 you want to fight for. Yeah, absolutely. Subjectively, what matters to it. you. Um, so I hope that this was fun for people. Yeah, oh.
0: we'll put these lists on Twitter on the Watch Twitter at the Watch at the Watch Pod on my Twitter on Andy's Twitter. S-
1: send us yours.
0: Send us yours. Send yeah, yours. absolutely. And tag the, Ta-
1: tag the Times critics, too, because they've been retweeting people. Yeah, and so
0: here's here's the deal. The Twitter Game of Thrones after show, Talk the Thrones, that's on after every episode of Game of Thrones on Twitter, twitter.com slash the ringer, you can find it. Twitter.com slash ringer, you'll find it there. You will not miss it. We will make sure you find it. Uh, so we'll be doing that with Jason Concepcion and Mallory Rubin after every Game, Game of Thrones episode. Live Talk the Thrones will be happening July 11th at Largo mm-hmm. with Andy, me, some special guests, Jason and Mallory. We're really excited about that, But details about that. Uh, we'll, we'll fire those off uh, as soon as you're here in this pod. We'll be back on Thursday to talk Fargo, Claws, and Twin Peaks. And Andrew Gurdodaro will join us to talk a little bit about good, bad movies. Until then. Great job, Baranski! Woo! Today's episode of the Watch was brought to you by Carvana. Looking to unsuck the experience of going to the dealership? Then Carvana can help. With Carvana, you can browse, buy, trade in, and finance your next vehicle online from the comfort of your own home. Choose as soon as next day delivery, or pick up your vehicle from the world's first coin-operated car vending machine, and wave bye-bye to buyers remorse with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Go to Carvana.com/watch. That's C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com/watch for the new way to buy a car. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Things change, the weather changes, your mood definitely changes. So why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to. Because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels, even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear, while knowing you'll score a great price at a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app to find seriously amazing deals now.